It's All Things 805. We are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm Miss Allenette, and this radio show is part of the Allen Network, meaning you can listen to this show anytime as part of the Allen Network podcast. You can search for this episode of All Things 805 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and a host of other streaming platforms by searching the Allen Network, A-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E work. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram page at all.things.805. We also have a Facebook page, All Things 805. So today on the show, I would like to give you Linda Kikivich. Now she is a doctor of geography um, and she's also writing a book entitled Palestine 1490. Now, she will be on the show today to give you some insight and some history about the conflict going on right now, or that's been going on for a very, very long time, the Israeli and Palestinian conflict. She's going to shed some light on the history of that conflict and some other great information about the work that she has done to study borders. You have to tune in and keep it here to All Things 805 for Linda Kiki Beach. Also on the show, I will have Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works. He would like to invite you to a special event that's going on this Monday for Halloween. So keep it here for that. And of course, if you have an event, if you have resources, information, something you're passionate about that you would like to shine a light on, be a guest on All Things 805. You can send me an email to allthings805radio at gmail.com or feel free to DM us in our Instagram page at all.things.805. Well, let's get into the show because this is a great interview with Linda Kikivich, Doctor of Geography and author of the upcoming book, Palestine 1492. She's up first on All Things 805. And on the phone lines with me right now, I have the author of the new book, uh, Palestine 1492, uh, Linda Kikivich. Hello. Hi, really. Welcome. Uh, happy to be here. Um, and I'm actually writing the book palestine oh you're writing it well you are the author of it it's a new book on the way right that's what i'm saying (laughs) did i no lies were told here right (laughs) so uh how are you this morning you know just keeping up on the news and and you know trying to figure out how to best be helpful and the situation right now with the genocide in gaza and palestine well before we get started about this talk we're going to have and uh, about your upcoming book and um, uh, just shedding a little bit of insight on what's going on right now um, in the world. The first question I always ask people on all things 805 is to share a little bit about yourself from your own point of view. What do you want the listeners of all things 805 to know about you, Dr. Linda Kigivich? Yeah, well, born and raised on Chumash lands uh, in Wainimi, Oxnard, Oxnimi, and graduated Wainimi High School, class of 96, and then 
started to do a lot of reading on my own in later years about what was happening in Palestine because it was so confusing on the news. Mm. I had already known about the Holocaust when I was nine years old. I saw the diary of Anna Frank at the Oxnard College Auditorium, and I was really traumatized by it, my heart broken. And Anna Frank, when I was a little girl, was very much my friend. She was my political friend, kind of like a moral compass on the world. And I thought a lot about what I would do in a situation of genocide. And because I saw from my readings of what happened in Germany against Jews during the Holocaust, that a lot of people just allowed it to happen and didn't say anything. And I didn't understand how that could happen. So when I learned about Israel, I was first very happy that there was a safe place for Jews after the Holocaust, but I hadn't learned how it had been created that it had been created by dispossessing Palestinians, by erasing Palestinians, taking them out of the land, and that that is still ongoing, and it's been going on for decades, as, as you know, as old as my mother is old, 1948 on forward. And so that's something that I couldn't look away from. And so, you know, 20 years ago, I really started to study on my own, really confused, and then I I visited and I did a PhD. I was doing a PhD in geography on borders, mm-hmm. and I decided to do my entire research on the borders of Palestine, Israel, because I wanted to see how those borders were created that everyone's fighting over, mostly because I already knew the U.S.-Mexico border uh-huh. was fair too, you know? And so I was like, hmm, there's something strange here. And so that took me on this whole path that actually took me back to 1492. and. I was able to easily connect our struggles here as brown people, as black people, as Native Americans, as anybody working class, working poor, poor white, anyone who is below and is being crushed by and above, I was able to connect that to Palestine through this accompaniment work. Hmm. Um, On the phone lines with uh, Linda Kikivich now, she has a new book on the way called A Palestine 1492 um it's coming out you guys got to be looking out for that um you I, I was actually quite blown away you sent me a bio just to get started and um it's written very simply however it you know it's very moving to me now this is is just like a quick little line but um i wanted to read it and then have you touch on that if you can um my work does a lot of feeling thinking about our liberation movements and of great interest to me is preventing ourselves from becoming the monsters we fight. Can you shed a little light on that phrase that you have there? Yeah, the so thinking feeling. I started using this phrase thinking feeling from the movements in Latin America. They call senti pensar where they talk about how our thought is not disconnected from our feeling. And I find that really useful because it allows me to put myself and my heart into my work rather than just writing like an, a supposedly objective, like outsider looking in. And the whole, you know, my work, my whole work about trying to prevent us from becoming the monsters that we fight, something that, that I learned so tragic about Israel is that this is this is a people who have been genocided you mm-hmm. have been oppressed in europe for centuries centuries and 
what I learned a lot from going there and trying to understand is that well, there are a lot of seductions for us in order to survive if we're oppressed. Mm-hmm. The seduction is that we can be allowed to live as long as we can become useful for empire. And the way that, sadly, a lot of the Jewish liberation movement has turned to is through the state of Israel. Although there's been so many debates about it, and still, there's still today, there's a growing number of Jews who do not support the state of Israel as a liberation project for them. They see it's not a liberation project, and instead it creates them as the oppressors of others, and they stand, they stand completely against that, against becoming the monsters that we fight. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Jews that have this, uh, this challenge. All of us have this challenge, like when we're asked to assimilate into whiteness, and we start policing our own communities, start looking negatively down our, at our own communities. Right. Like we join, like if you look at the border patrol, homeland security, the right. majority of made uh, by by Hispanics or brown people or native people who don't call themselves native anymore, mm. and the police of our own people. And there's a lot of privilege, quote unquote, of you know some kind of benefit get paid, you get relative peace because you're given a gun, and so you don't have to be in the side of you know, of, of, of those of us who are being stepped on. And so the, the challenge that we have that I've found from learning about Israel-Palestine is that we need to create liberation movements that don't want to mimic the oppressor, that don't want a safe space in the oppressor's world. And the task for us is to create a different world where we're not treating each other like that, where we can just respect each other mm-hmm. in all of our differences and not try to become somebody we're not, somebody who is an oppressor. I don't think that that's really, if we really thought about it, what it takes to make the world, for example, like raising children, anyone who has cared for children may have thought about how we really do need a community to care for the kids, to care for the babies, to care for the children, because they're so vulnerable. And so we need to figure out how we can share the world together amongst ages, amongst races, amongst faiths, amongst different. And that's my process. Hmm. On the phone lines with uh, Linda Kikivich. She's the author of the upcoming book, Palestine 1492. Um, I wanted to uh, address something that you've been kind of mission, uh, mentioning like um, hand in hand, which is empire and uh, oppressor. So when you say oppressor, usually that has some real economic value to it which, you know, would go in hand in hand with kind of what you're saying, empire. Well, empire, what I mean by empire is that logic and that practice that tries to force everybody to be under the wing or under the dominion of a certain type of society, that a certain type of society has the correct way and everybody must conform. Now, there's been a lot of empires in the past that, you know, that, that, maybe have described themselves as empires or have been described as empires. So here in Mesoamerica, for example, there is the Aztec Empire, very famously. What's really interesting about other empires compared to the one we're currently living in, 
the one that I argue in my book was created by the world of 1492 coming out of Europe. Mm. When the Aztec Empire or other empires on these lands conquered other peoples, they allowed other peoples to continue living their lives mm-hmm. and continued, you know, with their traditions and their customs and their ways. So continue speaking, for example, their own languages. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the Americas, so many Native American communities exist and have existed in the past before Europeans arrived with many different languages and different ways of viewing the world and relating to the world called Cosmovision. And it's not that societies were isolated from each other, it's that they respected each other. They didn't try to impose a language on them or a god or a worldview. But what happens when Christopher Columbus forward comes to the land, they are on an apocalyptic mission to convert everyone into Catholicism because really what Christopher Columbus was looking for when he traveled west was Jerusalem. In Spain, it hadn't been called Spain yet, but the Iberian Peninsula. Before October 12, 1492, in January 2nd, 1492, the ethnic cleansing of the Muslims was finalized that day in Granada, the south of Spain. And Christopher Columbus was there, and it was very much the Catholic monarch against the Muslims in a holy kind of war that had been going on for centuries. On January 2nd, 1492, that war kind of finished in that the last Muslim stronghold in the Iberian Peninsula surrendered. And Christopher Columbus was there that January 2nd in Granada waiting for the Peninsula to surrender before he could have Queen Isabella's attention. And what he told her was that we can get Jerusalem next. But, if we, if, but we need to sail west because over on the east, there's a lot of Muslim strongholds. So that's what he was looking for, and that's what she was looking for. They had just wiped clean the Iberian Peninsula from the Muslims, and they also started, under Isabella, uh, oh, they started an escalation of ethnically cleansing Jews. Okay, at that wait. Oh. Well, at the same time they started this. Okay, but well, hold on. Let me ask you something. And I hope, oh God, I hope this is not a stupid question. Now, these Muslim people, were they the Moors? Yeah, exactly. They're called the Moors, the African Muslims. Um, it was an Islam that had congealed and borrowed a lot from African spirituality mm-hmm. that Muslims in the Iberian Peninsula practice. Which also allowed- spurred the whole Spanish-Moroccan movement of art and um, architecture and all of that. I I studied that. So I okay. It's it's starting. The connection is is starting to take hold here. Okay, got it. Keep telling your story. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The architecture is incredible. And in fact, uh, the in Granada, there's a beautiful castle uh, of Muslim Islamic architecture mm-hmm. called the Alhambra, which means the red one in Arabic. And over in LA. There's a there's a city called Alhamra Alhamra mm-hmm. and when you look at the sign that it has on the street corners of itself, it looks very Arabic, like yes. not Islamic architecture. Yeah, so the architecture is is very much hailed. If you go to Spain today, if you go to Granada today, there are tourists lining up to see the Alhamra 
the castle and all of its well, beauty people, and Yeah, people don't understand how um, intricate and wonderful and intertwined that culture is and even our culture as far as, um, you know, I studied interior design and I love the Spanish Moroccan look. And, you know, like when you see leather couches with nail heads, that's Spanish Moroccan. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So much. And not appreciated. There's a lot of Islamophobia in the society that we're in. So yes. it doesn't really like to talk about it. Yeah. But this, that is, that's why I start Palestine 1492. Normally, when we talk about Palestine, Israel, it, the history begins only about 100 years ago when Jews were fleeing Europe at that time against anti-Semitism so that they could feel safe and they came to Palestine. They also came to the United States and they went to many places all over the world. But if we begin the story of Israel-Palestine in the 19th century or like the 1800s, mm-hmm. 100 years, then it really can slip easily into us believing that this is a, a conflict quote, quote, between Jews and Arabs or Jews and Palestinians or Jews mm-hmm. and Muslims when it actually, if we, if we start at 1492, we see that there's a really strong history from Europe, and Europe has imposed on so much of the world, colonialism, yes. of Islamophobia, of ethnic cleansing. They were ethnically cleansing the Iberian Peninsula of Muslims and forced Jews to convert at the same time. And if they didn't convert, they had to flee. And if it turns out that they converted and they were suspected of lying of their conversion, then they tortured them. And across the street from the Alhamra in Granada, which I was able to visit a couple of years ago, uh, right across the street, there is a museum of, of the torture methods of the Inquisition. Oh, wow. And it, it's, it's harrowing to go and see it. But what you learned, what I learned anyway, was that a lot of the things that the Europeans did after Columbus here, such as torture, forced conversion, burning our books, having they, we we had an inquisition too. They 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 forced us all to convert Native Americans the ones they could, and if we were still practicing our ancestral ways, then there was a torture inquisition, like how Jews had had experience in the Iberian Peninsula. So enslavement, for example, all of that Europeans were doing to other Europeans before they came here. And sadly, they brought that logic here and imposed it by force, although there's been resistance throughout all of these 500 years, of course, and there's still a lot of Native communities that continue to survive and thrive but are still under attack and are getting land stolen even to this day Mm. for mining, for example, or corporations that want some want the water or want to create tourist resort resort so like if you go to cancun it's all tourist resort i studied yucatec maya uh, when i was in in university and whenever i look up words today on the internet to see what they mean i'm always confronted with a resort hotel who has used that word or, or something in cancun mm-hmm. so it's been very appropriated so it's been at the service of making money for other people so the way that I understand the empire, empire that has been created from 1492 forward and imposed on the globe with us and Africa and Asia and internally to Europe, that is a type of empire that has zero tolerance for difference. It's about converting others into their way. 
into their worldview. Uh, we've all been forced to speak Spanish, for example. We've all, almost all of us have had our names changed to become Spanish. Mm-hmm. And really tragically, we see even from then this whole logic of Europe exporting out its problem to the rest of us. Mm. So, for example, when the Iberian Peninsula was ethnically cleansing Jews, a lot of Jews fled and came here. And sadly, they became our oppressors, our colonizers here. Mm. And they were just trying to make their lives, you know, trying to flee oppression. But this is what the the, the royalty, the queen, the monarchy mm-hmm. allowed. Like, well, go, you need to leave then. And so then they came. They converted to Catholicism. And so all of us, you know, know about Catholicism or some type of Christianity from that moment. But what has happened in the tragedy of that is that what 1492 has done is try to impose one world on everybody rather than respecting many worlds, a world where many worlds fit. And that has been its logic and its practice for 500 years. And what's happening in Palestine right now is there is a lot of geopolitics that happens there. There's a pipeline, a gas pipeline that Europeans have been trying to build in Palestine from the Gulf to the Mediterranean, going right through Palestine, which is right on the Mediterranean. And the Palestinians have gotten in the way of that because they haven't allowed themselves to be dispossessed Mm. with the creation of the state of Israel on top of their land. Mm. In addition to this, there's also this apocalyptic vision, this uh, Christian dispensationalism that, like Columbus, believes that the world is coming to an end soon, and in order to reach salvation, everyone must be converted into believers of Christ. And this is a very specific reading of Scripture that a lot of Christian evangelicals hold. I think a lot of us might know folks. We have folks in our family maybe, I know I do, who are Christian evangelicals, and truly believe that Jews need to go back to Palestine and build the third temple so that Jesus can come back, and that after Jesus comes back, that's going to be Judgment Day, and everyone who's not Christian is going to die in hell. And so when you hear in Washington, senators like Lindsey Graham just said the other day, this is a religious war you know, levels of talking about Gaza. You hear the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, using very biblical language that the prophecy of Isaiah is about to be fulfilled. So the state of Israel talks and works with Christian Zionists. Zionists are people who believe that the state of Israel should exist, and the majority of Zionists are Christian by far. Christians United for Israel has at least 10 million members, which is far more than even Jews, the number of Jews in the United States. It's very much an apocalyptic view, empire spirituality from the days of Columbus and Isabella, and it's also geopolitical at the same time. The state of Israel was created by some Jews who were Zionists who talked to the oppressor, their own oppressor, the ones that were oppressing them inside the borders of Europe and said, you know what, we should just leave Europe. Can you help us just create a state somewhere? We don't care where it is. It can be in Uganda, it can be in Argentina. And what ended up happening was it was put in Palestine, which had a lot of that 
that religious fervor at the same time. And a lesson in that is how not to do a liberation movement, because the founders of Israel, in trying to seek Jewish liberation, Jewish freedom, Jewish safety, they asked their, their own oppressors to assist them. And what the price of that ticket was, was needing to oppress others at the service of empire. Uh, my mouth is like on the floor right now. We're going to take a break right here on All Things 805 and be back with more of Linda Kikivich, as well as I'll have my interview with Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works right here on All Things 805. Don't go anywhere. It's all things 805. We are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. On the phone lines with Linda Kikivich. Now, Linda Kikivich is currently writing a book called Palestine 1492, where she argues the enemy of the Palestinian people and us all is empire not only zionism now you touched on what zionism is i'm getting a real education right now so i'm I'm not talking much but um shed some light on on more of your arguments of um the, and what you will uh talk about in this book that you are writing right now yeah so i went to palestine to study the borders of palestine israel because a lot of the discussions that i was hearing was about a two-state solution and you know, a state for Palestinians side-by-side with the state of Israel. And I was reading the nego- about the negotiations, and what I was, what I was looking at was, what was, the, what was the land like before those borders? Because those borders were very new. They, they recently were created by, Europe, by the British and the French during World War I, after the Ottoman Empire fell. They carved up the land amongst themselves, which is very, very common. It had already happened in Africa decades before with the scramble for Africa. This was a moment when Europe was cutting itself up into nation states. Nation states are are very new inventions. The idea of a homogenous container of space with borders, that is very new. That is... 200 years old. It, it hasn't been around for a very long time. But as Europe was cutting the world up, it begins by cutting up the globe right after 1492, after the Spanish monarch, you know, sends Columbus out, and then it's realized that there's this whole new continent over here. The Portuguese next door are already sailing. They're sailing around Africa, invading and they want a piece of this new action over here on these new lands. And they start to, to start to fight with the Iberi- with the with Isabella and her people. And because they're all Catholic, the, the Pope decides to step in and he draws a line on the globe, which is the first time that scholars and historians can point to the beginning of global linear thinking, the beginning of cutting up the world into lines to be owned. And he cut up the, the globe, and he drew a line right through what passes to, through today, it, with, that is Brazil, 
and said, everything east of this line, Portugal, you invade. Everything west of this line, Spain will invade, which is why in Brazil, which spoken is Portuguese because the Portuguese colonized that land and then west of Brazil, largely the language is Spanish. And after that, the Spanish colonizers start cutting up the Americas, as they call this land, into viceroyalties. So you get the new, the, the viceroyalty of New Spain, which becomes later the state of Mexico. And you also get the viceroyalty of Peru, the viceroyalty of Granada. And so the Americas start getting cut up into like private property lots among colonizers. And then there's independence movements by the colonizers themselves that create these states that we know today. Mexico, for example, is a colonizer project. Guatemala, all of the states are colonizer projects because what we get after 1492 and that line that the Pope drew, it's called the, from the Treaty of Tordesillas, which I remember hearing about in high school, but not really understanding that it was even important until later. But the Treaty of Tordesillas cut this line, and what that inaugurated was that only Europeans are allowed to cut those lines and to keep agreement over not transgressing over those lines. So you start getting these lines cut up in the Americas you start getting these lines cut up in Africa. You start getting these lines cut up internally to Europe. And Germany and Italy were the two that were the last to be created, the two nation states that were the last to be created very, very recently in the 1870s. And Germany decided that it wanted to get in on the colonizer action because Britain was now the big imperial power, having colonized every corner, every time zone in the, on the globe. So the British Empire was called the, the empire that where the sun never set because they had colonized every, we can call it time zone, for every part of the globe in a way. And then there was also the French Empire and the Russian Empire, and the Germans wanted to become an empire. Mm. So they hosted in Berlin a conference to cut up Africa. They put a big map on the, on the wall and among the Europeans, they decided who was going to get what. And that's why even today, those the lines in Africa, if you look at a map of Africa, a lot of them are straight lines. Mm. And then you get also then World War One. a couple of decades later, the Ottoman Empire and the imperial powers, the British and the French, are fighting. And they really want to have some of that land after the Ottoman Empire falls. They're also fighting with Russia, France, and Britain get together and they in secret start cutting up the land there too even though they're telling the native population hey look if you help us fight off the ottoman empire we're going to give you your own state but in secret they were cutting up these borders between themselves and those are the borders that we have today of these new countries lebanon syria jordan iraq kuwait saudi arabia palestine these are new and they were borders that again that were created among europeans so what I argue is that as the Palestinians are trying to create a state next to Israel, they're not understood by Europe as even qualifying to be European enough the way that Israelis are. Israel was created by European Jews, so they have a, a very similar kind of cosmovision or ideology. So it's a lot easier to understand Jews, especially when they leave Europe, as similar to Europeans, but the Palestinians are trying to 
get a border, at least their leadership. But what I argue is that there's another line that we're not talking about. And that is, this is the key to what I argue empire is. Empire is a logic and practice where there is an above and a below. Mm. A have and a have not is how we, we call it. And it is made up so that it's a closed system where there's every time there's difference. So like if you and I were to encounter each other mm-hmm. under European logic, under empire's logic, we immediately have to size each other up and compete and see who's going to be superior and see who's going to be inferior. Like this is European political philosophy's foundation that the other, the stranger, is an enemy, not a mystery. The stranger is a mystery mm. for a lot of Native communities. We don't know yet, but with, under, with European political thought, the stranger is an enemy and will always try to be superior over you, so you need to always be superior. And it's like this closed system where if you're above, then you have peace, and if you're below, then you have war. And so those of us who are below and don't want to live in war, that's where the seductions are. If you mm. get the above to like you enough, to love you enough, they might allow you up there. And that is what the state of Israel has done. And it's what a lot of our movements constantly have been seduced into. And so how to get out of that? The way to get out of that is to have a very different foundation for how we understand the stranger. Back to the stranger as this other, a mystery, not necessarily my enemy. And so this I get from the Zapatista movement in Chiapas, the Native American Maya rebel army who's been organizing for 40 years. And they hearken to Native philosophy and say, instead of above and below, let's go side by side. Mm. Let's, let's be equal because we're different, not set a standard to equality. Because once we set a standard to equality, we've introduced inequality. How about we just begin with the premise that we're equal because we're different and it's because of our differences that make us so beautiful and powerful as a community instead of in spite of our differences, we can be powerful. So leaning into difference and having an ethical relationship to it is the way out and that is what the world of empire doesn't want us to practice. Uh, Girl. My mouth has been open this whole time. (laughs) It's just so much information, but yet so much of it makes so much sense. You know, it's just um, the balance of power and how um, it's being maintained. And I really believe that, you know, like what you said, you the the healing part of it is is understanding that our differences make us more beautiful and powerful and strong as we stand side by side with each other. That's it. And you know, the way that I, that the way that I try to explain it, I'm like, you know, I went through the whole university thing and I, you know, I couldn't read the, the very dense jargon. I don't like it though. It doesn't communicate it right. And I sort of realized, Hey, this is exactly how we talk all the time. We just use the phrase have and have not, you know, right. Right. so it's very, I feel like it's very intuitive to a mm-hmm. lot of us where we, you know, we think about stuff like this all the time, but it's just not talked about, it's not discussed in public as much. Like, it should be. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank, thank you, compa. Thank you, compa, Linda. <laughs> thank you, compa Kiki, <laughs> for all of your information and the wonderful talk that you gave us here on All Things 805. And um, I know you are currently writing your book, Palestine 1492. Thank you for shedding some light on the history and just to give another point of view of what is going on in um with the Palestinian people and, and, and Israeli people, um, it's it's disheartening because we do, you know, since we don't know and Palestine is, is such a secret to us and, and it's remained like that. Uh, I believe that we have this view that maybe they are in the wrong because they are the unknown, but there's a lot of history of what's going on. And um, thank you for enlightening us on you know the real estate and for all your work that you do with understanding borders it's credible credible work thank you thank you and if folks would like to learn more while i well i'm still trying to write this book as fast as i can uh-huh. um they're on my website kiki.org it's q-u-i-q-u-i.org you can find links to videos that i have where i show a lot of math and that can help i think with the visuals help make more sense of things, I think. And this woman is right here from the 805. She's right from Oxnard and Port Wainimi. What did you call it? Oxnimi? Oxnimi? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think I probably lived in Oxnimi. I was on the west side of Oxnard, the very, very west side on Ventura and Channel Island. So I think that's Oxnimi for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, you know, it's transcending the border between Oxnard and Wyneem. Uh, <laughs> making it so that we kind of stand together, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Linda Kikivich, um, author of the upcoming new book, Palestine 1492. One more time, give out your website so people can look you up. My website is kiki.org, and that is spelled dot org. Thank you so much for being a guest on All Things 805. Thanks so much for having me. So happy that you exist, that this show exists. Shout out much love to all of the 805. Up next here on All Things 805 is my interview with Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works. And in studio with me right now, I have a repeat offender. Yes, he is back <laughs> to uh, get connected with all of you listening out there in the 805. Uh, Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works Incorporated. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. Um, so uh, we've done this before, but um, I need you to go ahead and tell um, the listeners of all things 805 a little bit about yourself. What do you want the listeners of all things 805 to know about you, Ryan? What do I want people to know about me? Oh my gosh. Yeah, my name is Ryan Gonzalez. I'm an Oxnard native. Right now, I am a job developer for the Integration Works Skill Development Center, where we help people advance their careers and we help employers recruit talent. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, how did you end up into this world with Integration Works and doing work with them? My parents, um, they operate adult residential facilities. And mm. so that was my first job being a direct support professional, mm -hmm. working um, at homes uh, with people who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. Okay. And I actually thought I was gonna be practicing law. I went to law school, graduated there in 2018. 
uh, where I focused on things like community economic development, public law and policy, and also disability rights. But mm -hmm. when I was there, I had the opportunity with uh, Tri-Counties Regional Center to open up this day program because they were looking for agencies or uh, people to help with getting people employed in the community because mm -hmm. there weren't uh, as many providers at the time. And so I saw that I didn't really want to practice law for mm. a living. Mm -hmm. um, and my sister, who is, had as a clinical background as a BCBA, and, um, and I, I spoke to her, spoke to my family, see it, and asked if they thought that this is something that we could do. Mm -hmm. It turns out we could, and we're here uh, now helping people get employed. Okay, so when was Integration Works founded then? We incorporated October 2018, uh -huh. um, but it really took until March 16th, 2020, before we got our license and uh -huh. our contract. And if you, if that name uh, date sounds familiar, that was two or three days before the governor shut the whole state down. Oh, oh wow. And Safe. Got in there. <laughs> yeah, well, we got in there, but it was really uh, touch and go for such a long time mm -hmm. um, because we had a service model that did not contemplate you know, COVID in the pandemic. Yeah, and, and not being able to be in direct contact face-to-face -face with people that needed, uh, you know, services, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and the population that we work for already have communication challenges. Yes. That, mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to deal with. And then putting on top of that, that we have to now do things through remotely and through Zoom, mm -hmm. um, it was really unsure whether we would survive. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really happy to say that now we have about 15 employees of our own. Mm -hmm. We've helped over 25 people get paid jobs in the community. Nice. We're really excited to, to keep on going. So how did you think um, going back and looking back, you know, like a few days before COVID hit, right? And it's just like, oh, the whole state is shut down. We don't know if we're going to make it. What do you think was the key to your uh, success coming through COVID um, so that integration work sustained itself? Really the team. I think something that I come back to a lot is the reason that companies are formed is, is to accomplish something that we can't do alone. Mm. And, you know, I had a the team of my family there, but also the regional center um, as a community partner. Th there were so many people involved uh, as stakeholders who wanted mm -hmm. this to happen. And yeah. really being in consistent communication with with collaborators, with team members is, is really what uh, what got us through. Mm -hmm. Okay. In studio with Ryan Gonzalez um, of Integration Works Incorporated. Now, um, this is your second time on the show. Just kind of just getting the word out about what Integration Works Incorporated does. So give me a little bit of uh, more information about exactly what your agency does for the community. Yeah, our motto is that we help individuals advance their careers and we help employers recruit talent. So right now we operate a day program, an adult day program as a service provider of Tri-Counties Regional Center. So we support individuals right now between the ages of 18 to 59. Um, and we do that through community, something called community integration training. So where we focus on different soft skills, independent living skills. Uh, and then we also create something called a paid internship program, which mm -hmm. is a really powerful tool where we work with community employers to create a work opportunity for the individuals we support. Um, and our agency, Integration Works, pays for all of the payroll costs. Mm. And the employer who's offering the internship doesn't have to pay for any of that. Mm. Um, and then the ultimate goal, though, is that we're trying to get our folks into something called CIE or Competitive Integrated Employment. Mm -hmm. That's an outcome where an individual is making at least minimum wage for the work that they do, and they're integrated, meaning that they're not um, 
you know, in the back of a workplace yes. where no one can see them. They're yes. integrated, working together uh, as equals with, um, you know, their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those are the kind of menu of services that we offer and provide. Um, something that we're really excited about that we uh, started, I think, earlier this year is our travel training program in partnership with the Gold Coast Transit District. Mm. Something in our industry um, that's a historical barrier for getting people employed, or j- just in general, is transportation. Mm. Right? You, we can't reliably be at work if we can't get to work. Right. And a lot of the people we support, that's either not an option for them, or it's it's um, either physically or, or because of medical conditions, mm-hmm. or it's a financial barrier yeah. to to getting um, work that they are otherwise qualified for. Mm-hmm. So right now we have um, been working with Gold Coast to get um, bus passes for the individuals we support and um, helping them learn how to do that independently. Right. And right now we're focusing a lot of our outreach efforts on the employers that are along those bus routes so that when we... Uh, eventually um, get to apply for jobs, it'll be one that's accessible to them. Mm. Great. Uh, Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works Incorporated, working at inclusivity for his clients in our community. I think that's wonderful. We can all integrate together and work together um, to, you know, so everybody sustains themselves, you know? We are one, right? Absolutely. And, you know, those differences are really so so valuable having a different perspective in Mm -hmm. the workplace in studio with ryan gonzalez of integration works incorporated and um you hit me up because you guys got a very special event coming back around so you want to let the 805 know about it so tell me all about this event Yes, thank you. We are hosting our third annual Halloween dance. It's mm-hmm. called the Halloween Scream this year. It's going to be on October 30th. That's a Monday from 4.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Uh, we have a music performance this year by DJ Chip Skylark. You can check him out on SoundCloud at DJ underscore Chip Skylark underscore. We also have food there from uh, Mestizos. Uh, they, if you were familiar um, in the south side of Oxnard with Tacos La Costa before, mm-hmm. it's across from our nearby Blackstock uh, on Saviors Road. Um, Mestizos is a brother duo who mm. uh, received the recipes from their hamburguesas um, from the old owner. Oh, Costa okay. Costa. Mm-hmm. Um, and are continuing with um, with with that food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that tradition. Mm-hmm. And so they will be um, catering for us. Nice. Uh, excited about that. We encourage everyone to come in costume. It's going to be at the Oxnard Performing Arts Center at 800 Hobson Way in the Ventura Room. And if you are interested, you can find our event on Eventbrite. Uh, you can either search Integration Works um, or Halloween Scream there, or you can go to the website integration-works.co slash Halloween. Mm-hmm. And everyone is invited out to this event. It is uh, Monday, October 30th at the Oxnard Performing Arts Center. Uh, Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works Incorporated, thank you so much for your time, of course. And uh, one more time, just give out the information about this event so people can come out and have a good time and enjoy Halloween season and let's be inclusive. Thank you. Yeah. Halloween Scream, Oxnard Performing Arts Center, 800 Hobson Wave and Tour Room. That's on October 30th, Monday from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Okay. And if people are interested in um, either helping out or they um, have a job opportunity for someone that um, is going through your program, or if um, someone is interested in your program, how do they get in contact with you or your agency? 
Yes, if you're interested as either an employer or if you want to join the team, you can email jobdeveloper at integration-works.org. Uh, again, that's jobdeveloper at integration-works.org. Okay, and also, if you want more information about this event, Monday, October 30th, um, the Halloween Scream, go on to our Instagram account at all.things.805. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you, Anna. It's All Things 805. We are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'd like to say thank you to our guest today on All Things 805, Linda Kikivich. She is the author of the upcoming book, Palestine 1492, as well as a doctor of geography. I'm so grateful for her for sharing space and time and energy. Thank you, Compa Kiki. You can find out more information about her work and the upcoming book, Palestine 1492, on her website, kiki.org. That's Q-U-I-Q-U-I.org. Also, thank you to Ryan Gonzalez of Integration Works, his event. The Halloween Scream is actually tomorrow at the Oxnard Performing Arts Center. If you need more information, you can check out the info for that on our Instagram page at all.things.805. And like I said before, if you have an event, information, something you're passionate about, resources that you would like to get to the community or you'd like to get connected in somehow, some way, be a guest on All Things 805. Send me an email to allthings805radio at gmail.com or feel free to DM me in our Instagram page at all.things.805. So whenever, wherever, however, wherever you are listening to All Things 805, you are greatly appreciated. And, um, Oh yeah, happy Halloween. It's all things 805. We're connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm your host, Miss Alanette, and this show is part of the Alanette Network.